Hey everyone, welcome back. In tonight's video, it's gonna be a compilation. The last time I did this, I said that people hate compilations, and the comments told me I was wrong. So, hopefully you'll like this one too. I also wanted to mention that I do think there are some sexual assault type stories in this video. I forget exactly where, because this is such a big video with so many stories. So, you may want to avoid this one altogether if you're wanting to avoid content like that. All that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And remember, you can submit your own story at southerncannibal.com. And without further ado, let's get into the stories. And remember to always stay Sometimes you need a bit of fun in your life, and certain people can definitely make it brighter. I'm talking about friends. Close friends. This story's been in the back of my mind for about two years now, and it's one of the most terrifying experiences of my entire life that I really want to forget. It occasionally pops into my mind, and it still gives me the shivers to this day. It was the end of another school week, a Friday, and as a lot of us teenagers do, we decided to have a sleepover on the weekend. My friends agreed with me, and we happily walked home, talking about what we should do the next day and where we should go, and all that stuff that you'd expect to talk about. One of my other friends said that we should have a sleepover at his place. I'm not revealing their real names for privacy reasons, so for this story, I'll call them X and L. And in case you're confused, it was X that said he wanted us to sleep over at his place. I quietly walked home as I and L split up to go to our own houses to pack up our belongings for the sleepover. I grabbed out my bathroom equipment, sleeping bag, and fresh clothes and all the other stuff you would need for a sleepover. Once I was finished packing my bag, I had called both X and L on our group chat and told X that I had packed and I had asked my parents if I was allowed to come and told them they said yes and L said the same thing as me. We were all excited, and X said that he'll be waiting at the park down outside his house to meet, since the park was only two houses down from his place. I casually walked to the park, which was approximately ten minutes away. Right as we got there, I saw X and L already at the park. I gave them both a wave, and we all walked to X's house. We all got inside and made ourselves comfortable with our sleeping bags in the living room, because X's room was, well, a tad bit tiny. I think that the time was somewhere around 12.30 a.m. I remember it raining ever so slightly. We were all laughing and giggling about certain events that had happened at school that day, but I guess that isn't really relevant to the story. I told them that we should probably all go to sleep since it was extremely late and that I was really tired. Elvin replied, Alright then, I mean, I guess it is a pretty shitty night after all. We had all started laughing at that response and it eventually got to the point where we started talking less and less and then eventually falling asleep from boredom. However, I didn't really fall asleep that night. I was rolling over in my bag and just trying to get into a comfortable position to sleep in, but had no luck falling asleep. I had my eyes wide open, staring at the blank ceiling. I looked at both X and L, who were both pretty wiped out into slumber. I got out of my sleeping bag as quietly as I possibly could and then went into the kitchen to get a drink. But after I had my drink of water, 
I had heard some type of noise coming from a wall. I didn't really make it out at first, and I kind of had a difficult time trying to figure out what it was, and it was coming from the living room. I carefully went into the living room, and then tried my best not to step on L. I was standing in the middle of the room, trying my best to find out where the hell the sound was coming from. Okay, to give you a bit of context, if you enter the front door of the house, the living room is in the first room that you enter, and the left side of the living room where you enter is a giant window. Well, the tapping sound was coming from that window. My heart was starting to speed up now, but what was the only logical option, you may ask? To look through the window. I told myself to just go up to the window and see what it was, so I proceeded to do so. I stopped. There was something else. The windows were closed by blinds. I leaned my ear closer to the window. Now along with the tapping, I could also hear breathing. I could barely just hear it over the rain. Very slow breathing. I couldn't say anything. I very slowly backed away from the window. I frantically woke up both X and L in a panic. They both said to me, What? What is it? In a grainy, tired voice. I told them to shush themselves and to listen. However, the tapping and breathing soon stopped. Elden said, Dude, I don't hear a thing. I told them what I heard, but they didn't believe me. I was getting mad. But then L suggested, Why don't you just go outside and check? I immediately said something along the lines of, Fine, I'll go out there. In fact, why don't you both come out with me just to be sure? I opened the door quietly and motioned my friends to come outside with me. We got to the window outside the house and nothing. There was nothing there. X said to me, I told you, I knew there wasn't going to be anything there. We both talked about it for a bit outside and X said I was crazy. But the story doesn't end there. Out of the blue, Elle nervously said, Wait, who's that guy over there? We all looked, and there was a dark silhouette that was just standing still a few houses down the street. He was probably about five foot five, and he was wearing a raincoat from what I remember. My friends both looked at me, knowing that I wasn't crazy. The guy was just staring at us, not moving a muscle. But he then started laughing in a sort of sinister kind of way. Within that moment, I said softly, Go for the backyard gate. Right now. Do it. The guy continued to stare at us while we both slid slowly to the gate, which was very close. Suddenly the guy just full on sprinted right toward us without warning. My life was in slow motion. I dashed for the gate. All of us got in and I was actually the last one to get in. And then I locked the gate. The guy ran into the gate with such force, but the gate didn't budge. The gate and fence were really high, and he couldn't possibly get over it. He then started banging and screaming at the gate, yelling things like, Come on out here and I'll kill you, you dumb teenagers. And I'll honestly never forget that sentence. We made a run for it to the back door of the house and woke X's dad up. He bolted straight outside and said the guy made a run for it and was already halfway down the street. He chased after him, screaming for him to get back here. X's dad called the police straight away. They arrived a little while later with cops. Three searched the area while one stopped to talk to me about it. 
The three cops found nothing except for a long and sharp kitchen knife that was dropped outside the front lawn. I shuddered. One of the policemen asked me if I knew what he looked like, but I couldn't make anything out other than he was somewhere around 5'5 five five and wearing a raincoat. He wasn't seen again after that, and he hasn't come back. But the police that day said they found dirty boot marks right outside the front door. But the really creepy part about the boot marks outside the door is that apparently that door had a peephole. And that peephole could make you see through both ways. Plus X's house is old, and that guy was possibly spying on us through it. Moral of the story is be very careful during the night. Because anything can happen if you're not careful. Before I start this, I just want to say that I in no way blame this on my friend or her mother at all. The story takes place around two years ago, during the summer of 2019. I was 14 years old at the time and I had a really big group of friends that I would go to the pool with like almost every day. We all lived only a few houses away from each other, except for about three of the girls. There were eight of us. The day was like every other day. We woke up, put on our bathing suits, and we had our friend Ryan's mom take us to the pool. She happened to have a minivan that could fit us all. We got to the pool around 11am and swam until about 9pm when the pool closed. Since all of our parents were super close and we still wanted to keep the fun going, we decided to crash at our friend Ava's house. She had a huge downstairs basement that was soundproof because her dad used to teach guitar and drum lessons to people all the time down there. Two of our friends, Carly and Aaron, didn't really want to go because they felt really tired and dizzy for being out all day and night. So we said our goodbyes to the two of them as their parents came and picked them up. And it only took about four minutes for Ava's mom to come get us. She had a smaller car, so we had to squeeze in a little more. When we got to Ava's house, we came inside and thanked her mom for driving us before going to get some snacks from the kitchen. As we walked into the kitchen, we could see Ava's stepdad, David. None of us really liked David since he kind of had a reputation of being really creepy towards us and making rude comments to us whenever our parents came to pick us up. We walked to the cabinets and grabbed all we needed and proceeded to pile down the stairs to the basement. Let me give you a quick layout of the basement. As soon as you walk down the stairs, to your right is sort of a kitchen and workroom, and then to your left is a basement living room, and then once you walk past the sofas, there's a pool table. On the left of the pool table, there's a hallway where on the left is a bathroom and storage room, and then to your right is a bedroom. All of us really smelled of sunscreen and chlorine, so we split into groups of two and went to each different room to change out of the bathing suits and into clothes. The basement was kind of creepy, and none of us wanted to be alone in any of the rooms due to the previous paranormal experiences we've had there. Ava always had spare shirts that she'd let us wear that used to be her dad's, and since most of us were five foot two and shorter, the shirts covered us enough that we didn't need to wear shorts. And if you're wondering, yes, we washed our hair. We would usually take turns taking a shower, but we were so tired that we just tilted our heads back over the tub and then took turns washing each other's hair. Once we finished with that, we walked to the basement bedroom and got comfortable. We made bracelets, talked about drama and the new school year coming up, eat junk food, drink Pepsi, and then watched the new season of Stranger Things. After around three hours of this, our friend Ryder was asleep on the bed while the rest of us sat on the floor talking. While Ava was halfway through her sentence, we heard the stairs of the basement then creaking. All of us were silent. Ava said it could just be one of her cats or something, but before she could even finish, 
We then heard around six more steps from the basement stairs area. Ryan and the oldest of us, seemingly the most freaked out, quietly walked to the door and locked it while me and my friend Molly went to turn off the lights. We waited around five minutes, the only light coming from the computer screen that we'd been watching Netflix on. We quietly whispered about what the noise could be until we heard sliding footsteps coming into the hallway of the basement. Me and Ava grabbed onto each other as everyone else fell silent. After about two minutes of hearing nothing, we all then moved to the bed. While doing this, we managed to wake up Ryder, who then loudly asked, What the hell are y'all doing? Ryan covered his mouth with his hands while telling him what was going on. Ryder, who hates when people wake him up, sat up and told us to calm down, or in his own words, chill the fuck out, as he walked to the basement bedroom door and unlocked it. He swung the door open, and what we saw made us all stiff as a board with fear. There in the doorway was Ava's stepdad. Her stepdad was terrifying. He was six foot four, short brownish hair, heavy set, and he had these square glasses that could reflect about anything. Me and everybody else in the room screamed at the top of our lungs as Ryder slammed the door in his face, locked it, and ran into the bed into me and Ryan's arms. We all stayed as silent as possible as we waited for what felt like hours as we heard Ava's stepdad groaning and asking if he could join us. Our friend Izzy and I began to cry while Ava called her mom to come down and get him. After I'd say about 45 minutes, all was silent and we ended up falling asleep piled up on top one another. We woke to the sound of Ava's mom knocking on the door. We then unlocked it and let her in. She then explained to us how after she brought David back up, he then told her, that many young girls down in the dark basement all by themselves is really dangerous. Anything could happen and no one would hear anything. Thank goodness those two boys were in there and were smart enough to lock the door in case anyone tried to do anything. When her mom told us this, I felt sick to my stomach. When I looked over, I saw the look of pure horror and disbelief on everyone's faces. After that, we all decided to go home. I'm 16 years old now and Ava's stepdad passed away due to the coronavirus. Me and those girls aren't as close anymore, but that night and all the other experiences we've had since then have stayed between us, and they probably always will. I'm a female, and at the time this story occurred, I was 15. My best friend Ellie would spend a lot of time in my house. I kind of just assumed that this was because she had two younger siblings that she didn't really get along with well and the father wasn't in the picture and their mom was gone most of the time. Every weekend, Ellie would stay at my house. On this particular weekend, I'd asked Ellie if maybe we could stay at her house instead. I was just kind of wanting a break from my parents, and I had never stayed over at Ellie's house before. Her mother said that it would be fine and that she wasn't going to be home much anyway. We went to Ellie's house straight after school on a Friday. We sat down on the couch and we had watched some TV for a bit. After a while, we decided we wanted a snack and we went into the kitchen to see what we could find. They had a side door and their kitchen was open with a screen on the outside. I was very startled when I saw a man standing in front of the screen door, looking inside. He looked to be in his late 30s and he was really dirty and shaggy looking. I actually wondered if he was homeless. Once we made direct eye contact with him, he then said, Well, well, well. Hello there, young ladies. Dave! Ellie said. She told this guy Dave that her mom wasn't there. The man replied back. Yeah, she never is. Who's your little friend here? 
He asked as he creepily looked me up and down. She told him I was her friend and that we were just hanging out having a sleepover. Ellie seemed uncomfortable, and I was too. He stood there for a moment just smiling at us when he then said, So are boys allowed? I'm sure a couple of cuties like you have boyfriends coming over. We grew increasingly uncomfortable and Ellie told him that she had to watch her brother and sister for the night and that her mom would be home later. I knew that wasn't true though. Her siblings were staying at her dad's that weekend and her mom would be going out with her boyfriend so most likely she wouldn't be coming home. The man was still standing at the door smiling at us. He then said, Oh well, I guess. Tell your mom I stopped by. See you sexy ladies later. When the man walked away, I asked Ellie what was that all about. She told me that Dave was her neighbor. Apparently her mom had gone on a date with him several years ago when they first moved in. Her mother wasn't impressed with Dave and there was no second date. She said that he was cheap, had bad hygiene, not at all interesting, and was far too forward sexually. I guess this Dave character would stop by frequently trying to get the mom's attention and then flirt with her, much to everyone in the household's dismay. Ellie also said in the last couple of years, he seemed to start taking more interest in her, even making the horrific comment about how she's grown up enough to wear bras now, and suggesting that she should come over in a bikini to sunbathe on his deck. I was totally horrified. What a creep. We tried to relax some and forget about the creepy neighbor. We ate some junk food, watched some of our favorite shows, and also took some quizzes out of teen magazines. It was getting dark and we were starting to want dinner, so we ordered a large cheese pizza. Not even 10 minutes later after the pizza had arrived, there was a knock at the front door. We were both really surprised as it was going on 9pm at this point and we weren't expecting anyone. Ellie got up and looked out the peephole. She looked right back at me wide-eyed. She put her finger up to her mouth and told me to be quiet. There was another knock at the door, then a voice. It was Dave. Girls, I know you're home, he said. We were both frozen in fear. Then Dave the Creep said something along the lines of that he knew we were alone and saw that we were hungry for a pizza, and so he thought he'd bring us a large sausage. Yeah, I know. Cringe. After a few minutes of not responding... Dave said something about us being stuck up little girls and then left. We went around the house closing all the blinds and making sure all the doors were locked. We were so scared that we barely had the volume of the TV up and kept the room lit with one tiny dim lamp out of fear of Dave seeing or hearing us. Once it got to be around 10.30, we were really fed up with having to sit still in the dark. Ellie got up and peeked out the window at Dave's house. She said that all of his lights were off, so he probably went out or went to bed. We felt comfortable enough to turn on some lights and relax a bit, so we put on some music and chatted some. We were sitting on the piano bench in front of the dining room windows when all of a sudden we then heard a tapping outside the window. I guess we had only closed the shades halfway because when we looked over, you guessed it, there was Dave peeking in. He held up a six pack of beer saying that he knew Ellie's mom wasn't home and that we should let him in so we can all party together. I guess Ellie had enough at this point because she stood up and yelled at him, no, and that he needed to leave. Dave had a completely blank look on his face, and then he said, You know I can just come in, right? Ellie then yelled at him that she had spoken with her mom, and she was calling the police. Well, at that point, Creeper Dave started to back away, saying he was just kidding and that we needed to calm down. Ellie stood her ground until she knew Dave was in his house, 
then proceeded to call her mom's boyfriend's house. She told her mom all the creepy things Dave had been doing, but her mom didn't believe us and she thought we were making things up. She said we should just go to bed and everything would be fine. Ellie was so upset. We ended up locking ourselves upstairs in her mother's bedroom. We didn't have any more problems with Dave that night and we finally got some sleep. After that night, as you can imagine, we decided to just go back to sleepovers at my house and I think that's for the best. This is cliche, but I've never been one to really believe in ghosts or the supernatural. I think this is important to note because I want you to know just how real this event was to me. It's the one event that I haven't been able to blame on the wind or my eyes playing tricks on me or being so tired that I just heard things. It wasn't any of that. When I was 12 years old, I had a sleepover planned at my best friend's house for a Friday night. Let's call her Kelly. I'll explain the layout of the room we were in because it'll be important later. Kelly lived in a pretty big house, but we always slept in the downstairs living room so that we wouldn't wake her parents upstairs, as we usually stayed up pretty late. This living room was huge. On one side were two big couches, a TV, and a pool table. On the other side, about 20 feet away, was a bookshelf with these big glass cabinets. There wasn't really much in it. It had what looked like really old files from her dad's job. I had seen some cool books in it a few weeks back, but Kelly told me the bookshelf cabinets are always locked because her dad says there's important paperwork in there. So anyway, after watching some movies and talking, it's about midnight and I go to the upstairs bathroom to brush my teeth while Kelly sets up some blankets on the couches. As I'm brushing them, I look into the mirror and I see into the big glass shower. Through the reflection, I then see a shadow, and it startled me because it was a lot darker than a shadow anything else in the room could have made. More specifically, I could clearly see the outline of a little boy. There were no features, it was just transparent, but somehow still unmistakable despite this. It didn't feel threatening though. In fact, I felt somehow safe, but I was still freaked out. I then whip my head around, and of course nothing's there. I shake it off and then look back into the mirror. Nothing. I take out my contacts and look back up, and there it is again. Same exact place as before, but still clear despite my not-so-great vision. I'm officially as terrified as a 12-year-old can be and decide to leave my stuff in the bathroom and just deal with it in the morning. I run down the stairs and tell Kelly what I saw. I won't lie. I then started crying as I told her. I was trying so hard not to make a big deal over a little shadow, but it looked so real to me. I must have been making quite a commotion because Kelly mom comes down the stairs to see what was going on. She says she saw a shadow in the bathroom. Kelly says to her mom, Without missing a beat, Kelly's mom looks at me with a distant look in her eyes. In the shower? She says. I nod. Uh, did it look like a boy? We both say in unison. My face is white, and her mom then says, I've seen it before as well. Nothing to worry about. And she just goes upstairs. She doesn't try to comfort me. 
she just goes upstairs as quickly as she came down. Well, needless to say, I couldn't really sleep that night. I must have dozed off sometime around 2am, because at 3am, I then awoke to a loud banging noise. It sounded like it came from right next to me. I didn't have the courage to investigate, so I got fully under my blanket and then went back to bed. I woke up the next morning before Kelly and looked down next to me, almost completely forgetting what had happened the night before. Now, on the floor by my head was a really huge photo album, just laying there, open. I look over at the bookshelf, and the cabinets are now wide open. I guess they weren't always locked, like Kelly said. The album was opened up to a page with a single photo on it. That of a little boy looking really happy and sitting on a set of swings. It hadn't clicked for me yet. At breakfast, I told Kelly's mom, and she said she was certain that there was no way that album could have fallen 20 feet over to me in the middle of the night. She looks at the photo, and her face goes white. Who is that? I ask. Kelly's mom then softly says, That's my brother. He died when he was six. I'm 15 now, but when the story happened, it was on my 8th birthday. My mom invited her friend over for the party, and her friend brought her kids. Let's call them Sally, Billy, and Lily. Fast forward to after the party had ended, when me, my siblings, Sally, Billy, and Lily were having a sleepover. We were all watching a horror movie. I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street, but I can't really remember for sure, when I then said I wanted to play hide and seek with them. Apparently everyone else was just as bored as I was with the movie, because they all jumped up at the idea and we played rock, paper, scissors to see who would be the seeker. My oldest brother Charlie ended up being the seeker, and he went down the hall to go count in the bathroom. To understand this story fully, I'll explain how the house was built. When you walk into the house through the front door, you immediately see the first stairway to your left. Once you go up the stairs, to your right on your left is the room where we were watching the movie in, which was my brother Justin's room, and my sister Charlene's room was straight forward. You turn left on the stairs and you'll see my room on the right side, and if you turn left you'll see my mom's room. You keep going down the hall and turn right and you'll see three doors and another stairway. If you go straight, you'll reach the lining closet and the stairway is left of it. You go back and turn left, you'll see two doors one to the left, and one straight ahead. The one to the left was Charlie's room, and the door straight ahead was the bathroom he was counting in. Now going back stairs to the front door past the stairway, you can either go straight or left. If you go straight, you'll be in the living room, and if you go left, you'll see two doors, one straight ahead, and then one left of you. The one on the left of you was a random room that was under the stairs, and the one ahead of you led to the second living room that we really didn't have anything in. If you keep going, there's a doorway to your left that leads to the dining room. Once you're in the dining room, there's a door to your left, which is the side door that went outside, and the one to your right leads to the kitchen. If you go into the kitchen, you'll see four doorways. One to your left as soon as you walk in that leads to a patio type thing. Turn right and walk to the farthest wall, and you'll reach the second bathroom. From the second bathroom, you go straight to the third floor which leads to the basement. Then you turn right and there's a second stairway leading back upstairs. We also had an attic as well, 
but to go there, you have to go through the upstairs bathroom. Anyways, Charlie went to go count in the bathroom while the rest of us went to go hide. I ran downstairs and I decided to hide behind the couch. I was a dumb eight-year-old kid. Now, at the time, one of my uncle's friends named Scott was staying with us and he was on the couch drunker than ever. He wasn't really bothering any of us though, so it didn't really matter. I remember watching Lily come downstairs looking for a hiding spot, and she came to hide with me for some reason. And she came to hide with me for some reason. I didn't really think much of it since I thought that this hiding spot was a really genius place to hide at. Once Charlie was done counting, he came to look for everyone. I also forgot to mention that we were playing hide and seek in the dark, so I guess that makes the story scarier. Anyways, Charlie quickly started finding everyone and I was still just squatting behind the couch with Lily, when all of a sudden, Scott started laughing hysterically for some reason, and then pointed at the ceiling. He then started saying something loudly. I can't really remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, Oh, look at that. They're coming to get you. They're all coming to get you. I was confused and kind of scared all at the same time because of this, and I'm guessing Lily noticed because she put her hand on my shoulder, then saying, You'll be okay, Sierra. It'll all be okay. I got even more scared hearing her talk because her voice sounded distorted. I don't know. I went to look back at her and asked what was wrong with her voice, but then saw her hand. Her hand looked really bony, and it was a pale color. This really concerned me because Lily at the time was a plus-size black girl. I looked at what I thought was her, but then seen something really horrific. I saw some kind of gremlin looking thing with really big facial features. Its black eyes, ears, and mouth were giant and didn't look like they even fit on the thing's face properly. I screamed. I screamed so loud and then instantly jumped over the couch trying to get the fuck away from whatever that thing was. Obviously Charlie heard me and then came in the room watching as I ran back upstairs away from that thing. The thing literally chased me until I ran back into Justin's room, slamming the door shut. Everyone came back in the room and asked me what happened, and I told them what I had seen. According to Lily, she hadn't even gone into the living room at all for that round. She was with Charlene, hiding in the dining room under the table. And according to Charlie, he didn't see anything chasing me up the stairs. Justin all of a sudden started freaking out, and Charlie asked him what was wrong, and he then told everyone to look at my back. I tried looking at my back, and I had seen a lot of red on my salmon-colored shirt wondering what it was. Charlie lifted up my shirt and seen four huge scratch marks going from my right shoulder to the left side of my back. It was weird because at first I didn't even feel the blood or scratches on my back, but then it started stinging really badly and I started crying. Charlene then asked me if I still wanted to play hide and seek, but of course I didn't. I was way too scared so I told them to just keep going without me and that I'd just stay in the room we were in. Justin volunteered to stay there with me so that I wouldn't get scared again, and everyone else went to go play another round. Justin was about to bring me to the bathroom to clean the cuts out, until he stopped outside the bedroom door. By this time, everyone had already found a hiding spot, so when he told me someone was sticking their head out of Charlie's bedroom, it was a bit weird. I walked into the hallway and looked and seen the head going back into the room. The head was just pure white. It kind of looked like it was glowing. Also, the hallway light was on outside the bathroom for some reason, and that's why we were able to see it. 
from what my brother saw. He said it didn't have any facial features and it had a really narrow neck. It couldn't be any of us because no one in the house was tall and skinny like that thing was. As soon as I saw the thing, I then screamed again and ran back in the room. Once again, everyone came rushing back in asking what happened. This time Justin told them and asked Charlie if it could have been him, but he said that he hadn't even gone in his room. Everyone then agreed that we'd all just stay in one room for the night and just continue watching movies until we fell asleep. Minus when my sister brought me to the bathroom to clean the blood off my back and then had me change the now blood-covered shirt I was wearing. It was hard to get sleep that night because of how much the scratches hurt, but eventually I did. In the morning, my sister brought me back in the bathroom to see if my cuts were bleeding anymore, and they weren't, but only because they were no longer there, like they had totally disappeared off of me as if they were never there to begin with. In conclusion, I'm so happy that I no longer live in that house. I moved out when I was going into the fifth grade, and gladly the house is now abandoned. I never did find out what the hell that thing was, and I don't know if I want to, but it's definitely one of the craziest and scariest things that's ever happened to me. I was 16 at the time of this story. I'd recently gotten my license and I was really enjoying the freedom of being able to drive myself wherever I wanted. I'm older than most of my friends, so I was the only one in our group to have my license during this time. Because of this, I would often spend my weekends driving around town with my friends, Brooke and McKenzie, before eventually spending the night at one of their houses. This particular Saturday was no different. I made some plans to pick up Brooke and McKenzie sometime in the later afternoon to drive around and go shopping and eat at fast food places. Then we planned on spending the night at Brooke's house since her parents were out of town. So when the time finally came, I picked up my friends and we had a really great time. Shopping in stores and eating some really good junk food. Then eventually went to Brooke's to spend the night. We spent a couple of hours hanging out in Brooke's basement, eating more junk food and drinking soda while listening to music. After a while, my stomach began to hurt, so I got up to use the bathroom. Now, Brooke's basement didn't have a bathroom, so I had to go to the one upstairs. The moment I sat down to do my business, I immediately felt uneasy from the window next to me that looked out into the pitch black night sky. I planned on finishing up and getting back downstairs as soon as possible to be back with the others. Then a few seconds later, my worst nightmare came true. I heard a slight tapping on the window from the outside. I froze in fear. I didn't want to scream to give myself away. I really wanted to get up and just run back down to the basement, but unfortunately, I was still in the process of doing my business. All the junk food came back to bite me. I was trembling with fear, trying to finish as soon as I could. I also realized that I would left my cell phone down in the basement, so I couldn't even text any of the others. I heard the tapping again on the window right behind me. I wasn't able to see anything due to how dark it was outside. I finally had some luck when I heard Brooke knock on the bathroom door and then say something along the lines of, Hey, hurry up. I have to go real bad. I tried to shush her from the other side of the door without being too loud myself. Just then, the tapping then happened for a third time. I was basically crying at this point from fear. By some miracle, I think Brooke caught on a little to what was actually happening, 
due to my quiet shush followed by the tapping on the window. I finally finished up and then jumped from the toilet and out the door, being very careful to not make any noise. I decided to leave the light on to not give away my position to whoever was out there. When I left the bathroom, I grabbed Brooke and I shushed her, then practically pulled her back down to the basement, locking the door behind me. We got back down to the basement where I explained to Brooke and Mackenzie what had happened. They both seemed really freaked out, but luckily they both believed me. I should also mention that Brooke is an only child, so the tapping couldn't have been any siblings and her parents were out of town on a vacation, so we knew it wasn't them either. We were still freaked out, but we decided to forget about it and just continue with our night, eventually falling asleep. At some crazy off hour of the night, we were all then awoken by some pounding from somewhere upstairs. Again, I was able to keep from screaming as to not give myself away, but the other two were not. They both began screaming and hysterically crying, which gave up any hope of hiding our locations. The banging stopped, and we eventually settled down a little bit. We decided to all walk upstairs and then look outside to see if anyone was there. We got to the top of the steps and walked together to the kitchen window, then peered out. At first we didn't see anything, until we saw a dark figure of a man jump up face to face with us, with just the glass window separating us. It was way too dark to get any description of the man, but we were 100% sure we all saw him. We all screamed and then booked it back downstairs, locking the door behind us. We had no idea who the man was or where he went after that. We called Brooke's parents in the morning, who came home prematurely from their vacation. We stayed down in the basement as long as we possibly could until we had to come up to get food and use the bathroom. We have no clue what exactly happened that night, and it still really freaks us all out even to think about. Thank God we were smart enough to lock all the doors in the house that night, or who really knows what could have happened. Last weekend, I went to have a sleepover at my best friend's house. He had an older brother and a younger brother. Both of his parents were home. For some context, his parents had a security system. It obviously wasn't a good one. I had also stuck a knife in my backpack. I'm a very paranoid person, so it made me feel better to have a weapon. I woke up around 2.30am to go use the bathroom, then went back to bed. About 30 minutes later, I woke up to my friend's mom, then screaming. Both my friend and I then shot up at the same exact time. I grabbed my backpack and dug for the knife. I shushed my friend and then got up to lock the door. I stood at the door with my knife. I told my friend to grab his phone and call 911. My friend's bedroom was directly across from his younger brother's room. We then heard his little brother start to scream. When I came out of his room, I saw his dad and older brother beating the hell out of this man with a baseball bat. I then ran in the room and started helping them. The man had also brought a knife. Not too long after, the police arrived and they arrested the guy. They also brought in an ambulance. His little brother actually got stabbed a few times. It was crazy. My friend called me yesterday and he told me that his little brother's out at the hospital now and he's doing much better. His parents also thanked me profusely for my help. Ever since this happened, I've always made sure that my doors and windows are securely locked. They've already given the man a sentence. He was charged with breaking and entering and attempted murder. 
he was given 20 years. I'm honestly really worried that when he gets out, he's going to strike my friend's house or my house again. But I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. I'm from London and the story took place back in August of last year. I'm 14 now, but I was 13 years old at the time. And during the summer holidays, I would always have a sleepover with my best friend because her birthday was during that month. I had been sleeping at her house for a couple of days now. The day was her birthday and I was going to be going back home the next day. And so we decided to go out at 10 p.m. just when the sun had started to set. We went to go get some dinner at a fish and chip shop. As we were walking there, on our way we were listening to some music on my phone. As I was waiting for her, I had looked around our surroundings. We were on a road opposite a park, only a few minutes away from the shop. I could see it from afar, but when I had then turned around to face the park, I had spotted a man who looked like he was in his mid-40s. He was sitting in a white van parked beside the children's park and just staring at me and my friend. When he realized I was staring at him, he waved at me and he gave me this sickening grin. So I pointed him out to my friend, and at first, we didn't really think too much of it. We just thought it was weird. Only a second later, he repeated the action, so we ignored him, and we just decided to carry on and get to the shop. Once we had gotten our food, we were joking about the man, calling him a weirdo, and laughing about the whole situation. Then as we are about to walk past the park, on our way back again, we started joking to each other, saying, What if he's still there waiting for us? Once we got into the park, our laughs soon died down, as we then realized we were correct. That same man was just sitting still, parked right there in the children's park. Once he had noticed us, he kind of just glared at us with the same creepy sinister grin as before. We ignored him, and we just started walking back to her house. I turned around just to check if he was still staring at us, but he had already turned the engine of his van on, and it slowly started driving behind me and my friend. I alerted her of the situation almost immediately, and she started shaking because she already kind of feared something like this would happen. I looked at my phone to see if I could call anyone, but it was only at 2%. So we then tried to act as if we didn't even notice him following us, and just carried on walking back. But then right then, he sped up, so that now he was driving right beside us. He had started trying to speak to us, saying things like, Oh, what are you guys carrying? Where are y'all going? And saying things like that. My friend then whispered in my ear that she was going to run to the end of the road, as his car wouldn't be able to go around the corner, and she said that I should go with her. I told her that I wasn't going to run with her, and that I was going to carry on walking. I honestly had no idea what was going on in my head at that moment. I guess if it was fight or flight, she chose flight and I chose fight. I was trying to remain calm and think more rationally instead of panicking. So she ran and waited for me at the end of the road. Now that she had ran, the man had turned his full attention towards me and he said that he wasn't going to hurt me and if I could just stop for a minute so he could get out of his car and speak to me. But obviously I wasn't falling for that. He then kept asking me questions like where did I live, how old I am, where I'm headed to, etc. I just ignored him and kept walking, not daring to look at him, and I just pretended he wasn't there. He had started to get annoyed as I wasn't answering him, 
so he sped up his van and he tried to block the road so I couldn't move past him. I was petrified. He then took off his seatbelt and went to exit his van. So as quickly as I could, I sped as fast as I could right around his vehicle and over to my friend. We then both ran and hid behind the corner. Now, for whatever reason, he had parked his van in the middle of the road, I guess waiting to see where we were. He went to get out of his van, but he must have figured we were gone by that time, and he drove off after that. Once we watched him drive off, we bolted back to her house and told her mom everything that happened. She saw the panic in our eyes, so she knew we weren't lying. She asked us if we had gotten a picture of the license plate, but we hadn't. So the mom said she would go back there with us so that we could take a picture to give to the police. As we were walking back, I couldn't believe my eyes. This man in his creepy ass van actually returned to the children's park and he was just watching all the kids. It was so sickening. Once we had gotten a picture of the license plate, he got out of his car and started to follow us again, but now on foot. But when my friend's mom saw this, she then rushed over to us and ushered us away. When he saw we were with an adult, he slowly got back in his car and acted like nothing ever happened. We called the police, but by the time they arrived, he was long gone at that point. I honestly wish I could say that it ended there, but it didn't. Well, a few days ago, I was scrolling through the news just to see if I could find out anything involving this man. And I did. A little boy was followed home by the exact same man. He was driving the same exact car, same description, everything. And it all happened in the same exact place, right near that children's park. It makes me feel absolutely disgusting knowing that he's out there trying to still kidnap kids. It's been about six months since all this happened, and he hasn't been caught. We really do live in a messed up world. I hate it. This happened in Grand Prairie, Alberta when I was around 14 to 15 years old. My mom let me have a sleepover with a friend. We'll call her Rose for privacy reasons. We had spent the whole day sharing gossip and watching really cheesy romance movies, as well as comedies. Sometime during the evening, we had asked her mom if we could go for a walk over to Rose's friend's house. We'll call her Miranda. She said no at first, saying it was too late, but we negotiated. And she said if we do a load of dishes, that we can go. We finished up quickly and then took off. Miranda's house was around eight blocks away, so we took shortcuts through the alleys. Rose and I stopped by a gas station to get some snacks. We also got some bottled pop and gum. It was our turn in the line, and we put the pop and our gum on the counter. We walked out of the gas station, and we continued on our way to Miranda's house. Again, we took some shortcuts through alleys and backyards. We made it to Miranda's house and we had a really fun time watching movies and sharing some snacks. Rose had asked Miranda's mom if we could stay for the night and then walk back tomorrow. And Rose had to call her mom to tell her she was staying over. Well, she had forgotten her phone and she wanted to use mine. I went to grab my purse and get my phone out when I noticed it wasn't there. I told Rose that I must have left it in the basket that we used to carry the snacks. So we set off to go back to the gas station, and Miranda joined us this time. 
We arrived at the gas station, and I had asked the lady at the counter if she had found a purse, and she walked into the back and came back with my purse. I thanked her and gave her a tip for the help, and we started walking back to Miranda's house. That's when Rose then noticed that there was a gray truck right behind us, driving slowly up the street. We turned onto another street, and the truck turned too. It then pulled over, and two men got out. I don't really remember much more, but I do remember that we had started panicking as they got closer. Rose said to run, and we bolted across the street, and we ran through a lot of backyards and back roads. We hid in someone's backyard, and we saw two men climbing over the fence. But luckily the two men then left the backyard about 30 seconds later. We went in the opposite direction and put up our hoods so we wouldn't be recognized again. And we finally made it back to Miranda's house safely. We didn't plan on telling anyone, but Miranda's mom noticed our disturbed expressions in silence, and we later on reported the incident. But unfortunately, the men were never found. We don't really talk about it anymore. We're just really glad we escaped. I'm honestly not sure what they would have done to us if they had caught us, but I don't want to know. This happened in the mid-1980s, and I was 14 years old at the time. My friend was having a birthday party slash sleepover. All five of us girls had to do chores before we were allowed to start the sleepover. So we went to each other's houses, and we helped each other out so we could get it all done a lot faster. Well, when we were walking to the sleepover, my friend had told us all about the Ouija board. She had to explain it to us because we were all naive but we were all very excited to play with it. We get to the sleepover, and we all took turns asking the board questions. Then all of a sudden, I had felt a burning on my back. I started crying, and everyone got really concerned and asking what's wrong. I told them my back was burning, and when they lifted up my shirt, I had a long bloody scratch going down my back. We were all freaked out, and I said I didn't want to play anymore. And after they saw what happened to me, Neither did they. My friend threw away the Ouija board almost immediately, and we never touched it again after that. What did we all learn, you might ask? Don't mess around with things you don't understand. I sure won't. To start off, I'd like to say that I'm a female, and I'm 30 years old. This happened to me when I was 14, and I'll never forget it. It was summertime, and I was visiting my cousin in Orlando, Florida. I was to stay with her the entire summer break, and occasionally go see my dad, who wasn't too far away. During the stay at her place, I'd met a lot of her friends, who were about four to five years older than me. One of her friends, who we'll call Denise, was really cool, and she had a few younger sisters and younger brothers who really liked to hang out with me. So, one day my cousin says that we were invited by Denise for a sleepover, and I couldn't have been more excited because my aunt's house was always so hot, and to be honest, kind of a little boring. We packed a little bag and headed over to Denise's house. Before I go on, my parents had no clue where I was. I didn't even know where I was. I wasn't really familiar with the area, and I didn't pay any attention to the surroundings on the drive over. To continue, we arrive at Denise's house, and again, 
She had sisters and a brother, who I actually found out were her half-siblings, and they lived with their mom and dad, which was Denise's stepdad. The first night there, they took us to the movies, the mall, and then when we got home, they ordered us some food for us to eat. Denise's parents were extremely friendly, so I began to trust them almost immediately. I know, stupid kid. Anyway, that night was a real blast, and we had stayed up really late, laughing all night long. The next morning, we all woke up, and we then had some cereal, and went about our day. Again, having lots of fun, playing in the pool in the backyard, and staying up late. I had started to worry about not packing enough clothes, as I thought we would just be there for the weekend. But my cousin then told me we'd be going home the next day. When the next day came, I was all packed up and ready to go. But I was told we would be getting picked up later in the day. Which was fine, as I was having a lot of fun being there. Denise's stepdad went to the store and came back with a lot of oysters and a lot of beer. Then only a few moments later, a few of his friends came by. All older men like himself. Probably around the age of 40 and up. I immediately began to feel uncomfortable but I just stayed away from them. I would occasionally walk past them, and they would all be staring at me. I was a bit on the chubby side, so I kind of had a little bit of meat on my body, and I guess they liked that. They were all standing around eating and drinking, sweating bullets. My cousin warned me to stay away from them, as they were all drunk and could potentially harm me in some way, if you know what I mean. So I did just that, again, making as little interaction as possible. I found myself outside looking for my cousin at some point, and I didn't know where she ran off to. So I went inside the house, and as I'm walking down a really long hallway, towards the kid's bedroom, Denise's stepdad came out of his bedroom. I knew he was a little drunk, so I was kind of nervous. I gave a really nervous smile, and I attempted to walk past him. He kind of just stood there, blocking my way to the bedroom. I laughed nervously and tried to squirm past him, but he then grabbed both of my wrists with his hands, squeezing extremely tightly to the point where I was frozen with fear, and I started to cry. He held my wrist there for what seemed like an eternity, and the pain got worse, and I could only think one thing. This guy was going to do something to me. Finally, I heard a voice calling out for me, and I then realized it was my cousin. I was still in such shock that I couldn't respond. But when he realized she was looking for me, he immediately let me go. I then ran out to my cousin in tears, and I asked when we were leaving, and she said her mom was on the way. When she asked me why I was crying, I just told her I wanted to go home. She didn't realize how red my wrists were at the time, but I could clearly see that it was super visible. When my aunt arrived to pick us up, I walked out of the house looking for Denise's stepdad so I wouldn't get too close to him. I caught him staring at me, not even looking away when my eyes met his. It was almost like he was still thinking of what he was going to do with me. I was sick to my stomach all over again. Thankfully, I had made it out of this situation without becoming a victim of some sort. I don't remember where Denise's mom was, I believe she was working that day. I don't know what her stepdad's intentions were, but I have a pretty good idea of what he may have been thinking.
It took me years to share this story. The shock from what happened will always remain part of me. I wanted to share this because maybe all the young listeners out there will learn something from this. Or maybe parents who have young kids will start being more careful of whose house they spend the night at. It may not be the worst story, but it was an absolutely horrifying experience. I really consider myself lucky. The story I'm about to tell you happened when I was 15. I very clearly remember when the first incident happened. I was laying down in my room and I remember a random number had started calling me. I answered, even though I probably know I shouldn't have. And it was a man with a really deep voice. He knew my name and he often said the same things over and over. I thought I was just someone messing around with me like one of my exes or something, but the call got weirder. He just kept asking me where my at-the-time boyfriend was and was trying to convince me then if I didn't do what he said, he would take me away for a while. I got really scared and I hung up and I then told my mom once he had started sending me really threatening texts. I told him I called the cops, even though I didn't, and there's one message he sent to me that I'll always remember, and it said... Oh yeah? Well, I guess we'll see who gets to you first. After I blocked the number, nothing had happened for a while after that, and I just thought it was a prank. Then about six months later, I had got another call from a random number. It was the same voice and the same person asking me the same weird things. But this time he got even angrier when I refused. He started sending me pictures of me from different numbers that were clearly pulled from my Instagram. I'm not going to lie, it did scare me a bit, but I didn't want whoever this person was to get to me. It was late at night, and I heard someone racing by my house beeping their horn for a good 15 seconds straight. This is what really scared me. I called the cops, who also happened to be my cousins, and I then told my mom that I was getting harassed by this random number. Sadly to say, the cops didn't really do anything, but just tell me to block the number. Well, fast forward to last summer. Me and my ex-best friend were having a sleepover at my house. At no caller ID, it started calling me. This time, however, she answered it instead of me, and it created a huge situation. I began to get chills because the next sentence they said gave me deja vu. We'll see who gets to you first. Whenever the cops were mentioned, they were getting really angry with us. I kept saying how they only wanted me. During this time though, they had called on a no caller ID, so we couldn't block the number when they spam called us every time we hung up. At some point in these calls, he was trying to convince me to send nudes to him or something really ugly would happen to my friend and I. At some point, my ex-best friend actually said she thought she knew who it was. To this day, I still don't know who that strange man was and how the hell he knew what he did. When we called the cops, though, they once again did absolutely nothing, even though this person knew where I lived. They actually broke my phone, because the no-caller ID spammed my phone so much to the point where it actually turned blue and it started glitching. Ever since that experience, I don't ever answer unknown calls anymore. I think I can recall getting a couple this year, but to whoever that person was and whatever they wanted from me... I just really want you to know you're fucking disgusting. 
Don't call me anymore. Please. I would like to remain anonymous. I would describe myself as a loner all throughout high school. I would often play video games and not really socialize much and just keep to myself. One day, my friend who called Robert for privacy reasons told me he was having a sleepover at his house and I agreed to join him. When Friday came, my parents drove me to his house. We had headed straight to his basement and we played some video games until around midnight when his mom then told us it was time for bed. I woke up at exactly 2.17am to hear a thud right above us as if someone were stomping. I tried to wake up Robert and ask him about the footsteps but he just told me to fuck off and he went back to bed. I tried going back to sleep but I heard that same thud 30 minutes later followed by heavy footsteps. I then heard the basement door slowly creak open. I decided to hide in the closet right behind some coat hangers. After a while of waiting, I dozed off. I would say I woke up right around an hour later to then hear the sound of really heavy breathing. I looked up and what I saw next gave me chills. Through slits in the closet door, I saw a pair of red eyes peering in right at me. My stomach felt like it was about to explode right out of my chest. I covered my mouth with both hands to stop myself from screaming. I crawled further back into the closet and hid in the darkness and just stayed there until morning. When morning came, I questioned myself about what I saw last night, whether I was in a trance or if it was something paranormal that I witnessed. It always gives me the creeps just thinking about it. After that night, I'd stopped going to Robert's house altogether and I never told anyone. When I was in elementary school, I had a friend who we'll call Lily. Lily and I would always have playdates because, well, we only lived a few blocks away from each other. On the specific night in question, we were having a sleepover at my house, which I was really excited for. My friend Lily was super into paranormal things and at a very young age, and I would kind of just go along with it since I too thought it was kind of fun. Well, when Lily came over, we decided to go in my basement to play some board games and cards. When she then took out a camera that she had in her bag, she had then started telling me about her imaginary friend named Lucy. I obviously didn't believe her because at the time I just didn't really believe in ghosts, but I just told her that I believed her anyways. So Lily then asked me if I wanted to take a picture with her imaginary friend Lucy. So I agreed. While Lily was setting up the camera, I sat down on the couch that was in the basement. I remember this photo she took very vividly because it really shocked me after she took it. When she then told me that Lucy was sitting right next to me, I then said back, Okay, let's take the picture. She took the picture and I then ran over to her to see what it looked like. While I was smiling and pretending to put my arm around this imaginary figure, Lucy, I remember seeing orbs all right next to me. I didn't know what orbs were at the time, but when Lily and I went to go show my mom the picture, her stomach dropped to the floor. I saw her expression, and it frightened me a little bit. Then my mom told me that she saw the orbs. My friend Lily knew what orbs were, but I was completely clueless when it came to that. 
and my mom ended up telling me exactly what they were. It really freaked me out after that picture was taken, and it scared me so bad that I wasn't able to get much sleep that night. Being a young child, it was a pretty scary experience. I've been really trying to find ways to submit this story, but out of fear of being found out by the two females that originally introduced me, I finally realized that it's been six years since this happened, and they probably won't remember, as this was traumatic for me, and just another night for them. In 2015, I was 13, and I found a lot of people attracted to me that had meant me harm, or even just a bunch of weirdos. But nonetheless these girls stuck out. Let's name them Brittany and Renee for the sake of this story. They were sisters. Brittany was 17 and Renee was 14. I was a chubby 5'3 strawberry blonde nerd, simply put. Brittany was a tall 5'9 black-haired beauty and Renee was taller at 5'10 with blonde hair, but you could clearly tell which sibling was prettier. Renee was outgoing and just wanted to be friends with everyone, but former friends prevented that from happening with spiteful rumors, sexual harassment, stalking, and even drugging, which I didn't really listen to, as I was also a part of a few weird rumors. I really don't know what sparked Renee's initial interest in me, but I know that we bonded over the anime Attack on Titan, and well, that sparked a deep interest with me, and we became friends. During this time in my early preteen years, I was really getting into horror, paranormal, and true crime. The works, you know? While my mom encouraged my exploration, she said there was a few movies that was off limits. Human Centipede, Spit on Your Grave, and Megan is Missing, just to name a few. Those movies were the ones that were completely off limit, and I needed to be 18 to watch and more mature because my mom knew how easily triggered I was with things like rape and human abduction. Well, on August 24th, it was Renee's 15th birthday and she invited me over for a sleepover. I went because I wanted to see what my first sleepover with someone outside of family would be like. We had a really good time, singing karaoke, drinking root beer, pretending to get drunk, young teen fun, you know? When her dad came into the living area and said he was off to work, I noticed that Renee got kind of a smirk of mischief, before then chiming, Okay, Dad. After he left, Brittany came into the room and began to socialize, while Renee disappeared down to her basement. Well, she then returned with the human centipede in hand. Fuck. I calmly explained that I can't watch that, because of that stuff in the movie from what my mom said that I wouldn't enjoy it. The girls began to croon and plead to get me to watch it. I kept saying no, but then Brittany grabbed my wrists and then said, well, you won't have a choice, before giggling evilly. I was being drugged across the room to the futon couch as I pleaded to just be let go, and I'm not in the mood to watch that movie. The girls mimicked and mocked me as I cried, before then slapping cuffs over my wrists. Their mother was a police officer, and it left her cuffs home conveniently. I thrashed before Brittany closed her hands over my cheeks that were already slick with tears from pain. She wasn't being gentle with my wrists. She lowly spoke in a serious tone. You scream, Ray, and I'm cutting your tongue out. 
That made me shut up. And soon, I was watching the movie. I won't get into the details of the movie, as I'm sure the premise of the name Human Centipede is obvious as it's a horror classic. When it was done, I was just a dissociative mess. I was finally uncuffed and I just kept repeating how I wanted to go home. The girls just laughed at me, then went upstairs, leaving me in the dark. I reached into my bag to call my mom and dad. 30 minutes later, my dad was outside and I grabbed my blankets and bag to leave and I never looked back. That night, I deleted Renee's contact and I blocked her on Facebook. I didn't bother with her sister because I didn't have her number nor Facebook, but that Facebook page was deactivated soon after. My mom was obviously furious about a week after when I finally told her, and she stormed to the girl's house and bitched out their mom, but then pulled the girls out of the house to scold them before giving them laps all around the block. Apparently their mother was a drill sergeant mother, which I guess is why they preferred their dad as opposed to their mom. About a year after the sleepover, Renee moved because their mom was really fed up with having all these other moms bitch and yell at them for their kids' misbehavior because it seemed like no matter what the punishment was, they just never learned. I'm 20 years old now, but that night still really haunts me and I oftentimes find myself wondering why they did that to me. I'll never understand it. My name is Izzy, and this happened to me and my best friend, Elise. At the time of this story, we were in the sixth grade, and in my opinion, that makes this all the more disturbing. My first period class that year was language arts. To understand part of the story, you need to understand part of the layout. You walk into the room and there's four clusters of desks in the shape of a circle. Each corner of the room had one. The computer board was at the front of the room. Next to that was a library corner, which had a desk cluster next to it. I sat at those desks with four other people. Only two people in my circle matter in this story. I'm no longer in touch with these people, so I'm going to be using nicknames for privacy. My friend E sat right next to me. He was a bigger person at the time and was almost always serious. H was quiet almost always and didn't really have many friends. He never really participated in the group reading what we had to do. H not reading when he was supposed to made the group upset that we had to do more work and H was getting away with doing nothing but playing games on his Chromebook. He was getting sick of H getting away with not doing anything so he stood up walking over to H grabbing his Chromebook while saying, What are you doing on this thing anyway? As he looked at the screen, he freaked out over something the rest of us couldn't see. I thought he would show us what was on the screen, but he didn't until I asked what it was. I remember being annoyed that he didn't show us without one of us having to ask. That feeling of annoyance quickly disappeared when he turned the screen to face the rest of us. H had several tabs open, all of which were either pictures of human bones or human organs. I know that doesn't sound all that alarming, but as kids, you should be able to imagine how that freaked us out. The images H had on his screen wasn't what made me so scared. It was the face he was making at us. H was smiling, and not like a normal smile. 
He was smiling like he was planning something. Or maybe he was just freakishly proud that we saw what he'd been up to. It was really disgusting, and he looked so happy. I felt a chill when his eyes landed on me. I got extremely upset about that. I leaned forward, telling H. H, you need to do the work with the rest of us and stop being a creepy freak. Which, now I really regret saying. It wasn't the fact that he almost immediately stopped smiling. It was that he never stopped looking at me. I was so focused on the way H was looking at me that I barely reacted to the teacher yelling at me. She apparently heard me call H a creepy freak and decided to have a talk with the group. When we were done being lectured by our teacher, H started deleting his search history. The only thing the rest of us could do was watch him do it. None of us wanted to get in trouble again. After a few more moments of us all staring at H, we started to read the book again. Elise and I didn't have any classes together until after lunch. So, while we sat down at our lunch table, I then told Elise what had happened. After we talked for a while, we decided we weren't going to let that ruin our day. We were really excited because Elise was spending the night at my house after finding out her mom couldn't let her stay home alone because her little brother had to get a surgery that night. So, we went about our day without thinking twice about it. Before we knew it, we were finally going to my house. We got on the school bus and we'd started talking about how our days were and what we were going to do since she was spending the night. The bus eventually pulled to our stop and we got off and started walking towards my house. When we got inside, we had started taking off our jackets and kicking off our shoes. Another piece of information is that I had a dog. We were supposed to take him outside, but that never happened. My dog was barking in his crate downstairs but we didn't really think anything of it, considering dogs get really excited when their owners get home, and he most likely had to use the bathroom since he'd been in his crate all day. Elise had gotten her shoes off before me and started walking down the stairs, but suddenly paused before then yelling as loud as I've ever heard her speak. What the fuck? She didn't move, just stood on the stairs. Since she had spoken so loudly, I freaked out and then looked in her direction. I just barely saw something outside of my dog's crate then move, but then almost immediately move out of my field of vision. Elise was definitely in shock, because she only responded back with, Get a weapon! After I asked her multiple times, What's wrong? What did you see? As I too started to freak out. I listened to her, but I stupidly chose the worst makeshift weapon you could possibly choose. Somehow in my mind, I thought that a pillow would make a great weapon, Yes, a fucking pillow. Luckily, Elise was a lot smarter than I and grabbed the biggest kitchen knife we had and charged downstairs. I didn't know what we were looking for because Elise didn't tell me. There wasn't a single place that we didn't check. Whatever we were looking for wasn't in the house. We were both really relieved though when we didn't find what freaked Elise out, but I soon figured out why she was so scared when she then told me. I look down there, and there's someone sitting, or maybe laying on the floor, messing with one of your dog's toys. Elise saying that made me lose any form of calm that was left in me. When my parents came home, I don't believe we told them what happened, but if we did, I don't think they'd believe us. And as if the story couldn't get any worse, the next day at school when I walked into homeroom, 
H walked up to me and says, Hey you, I thought I should let you know that I really enjoy crawling around in your basement. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then calmly walks away. So yeah, somehow my creepy ass classmate broke into my house and was just chilling in my basement. I don't know why or what he was really doing in my house, but I really hope he doesn't come back because my dog isn't a scared little puppy anymore and he'll really fuck you up if he has to. In the summer of 2019, my friends and I were having a sleepover in honor of one of our friend's 17th birthday. Rayana had invited our friends, McKenna, Reese, McKenzie, and more to come over to swim in her pool, drink, hang out with some boys, and sleep in her trailer so we didn't wake up her parents. We would sleep in the trailer on her driveway. There were four beds, a bunk bed in the left corner, and then directly beside there was a single bed. And finally, right as you walk in, there was another bed. After having hours of fun, puke, and rally, and tons of teenage drama, we decided to head over to the trailer so we didn't wake the neighbors or Rayana's parents. It was about 3 a.m. when things began to settle down. About 10 minutes later, Reese had still been wide awake, and her drunk self decided to look out the window on the top of the bunk where she and I were sharing. She recalled seeing a teenage boy quickly walking on the sidewalk beside us, repeatedly looking behind himself to watch another teenage boy quickly following him. She decided to stick up for the first boy and yelled random things to get him to stop following. The second boy, noticeably not sober, instantly heard the screams from Race and Rihanna, and it caught his attention. Scared, she stayed quiet beside me while I was trying to sleep. Well, about a minute later, Reese decided to check again, and there the guy is, right in front of the trailer, investigating the noise. He was getting really close to the door, when Reese then told me, Hey, don't freak out, but there's a guy right outside the trailer. I sat up quickly to look outside, and there he was, wandering around right beside us. I not listening to her, announced to everyone else the quietest I could that there was a guy outside the trailer. Rayana quickly got up and looked outside a window so she could see for herself and then told everyone else to get underneath of us in the bottom bunk. McKenna, Rayana, and a few other friends were huddled in the bottom bunk when Mackenzie, our smallest yet fearless friend, decided to stay outside and check the windows. The man, still not sure of where the yelling came from, was gone. We sat for a few minutes in silence, contemplating calling someone, until Mackenzie decided to look out the window of the bottom bunk, this window facing the garage. She quickly announced that he was standing right beside the window. She could only see his legs, though, quickly closing the window. We sat scared once again in silence, Mackenzie still running back and forth through the windows to see where he was. At one point, he decided to walk to the middle of the street, just a look at the grand view of the house. This is when we thought it was over. Everyone was getting back into their sleeping spots, discussing what had just happened, when Mackenzie decided to look out the window again. The man was now standing on the front steps of Rayana's house. We couldn't do anything but just sit quiet and wait until the intoxicated man would leave. 
We didn't know what he would do if he had realized people were in the trailer. He did end up leaving after quite a while, but we all definitely took a while to fall asleep that night. In the morning, Rayana tried to check her surveillance cameras, but they had been disconnected. We have no proof of this happening, except for the group of us who experienced it. Rayana believes the guy came back the next night since she heard a lot of noises from her front door while she was home alone. Moral of the story, don't scream at cracked out men when you're vulnerable in a trailer. You really have to wonder though, what would have happened if he had tried to open the door? I'm sure we could have defended ourselves, but the story could have ended a lot worse. This happened to me and my friends just last night. For some information about us, we're all females between the ages of 13 to 15. For privacy reasons, I'm going to use K for friend 1, J for friend 2, and D for friend 3. Now, you really need to know how my house is laid out. At the very back of my house, there's a pool cage, and right behind that is thick woods. Okay, so now that you know the details, I'll begin the story. I had my friend over for a sleepover. It was around 8.30 at night when my friend Kay said that we should go night swimming. And right by this time, the sun was starting to set. We all hopped in the pool. After swimming for 30 minutes, it was completely dark. We started to get a really eerie feeling coming from the woods. The picture that we created in our heads looked like it came right out of a horror movie. So there we were, five teens swimming at nine at night with the view of the dark woods. Side note, in the past, we've had many weird things happen in those woods. I remember that we were playing Marco Polo when my friend Jay said that she heard something rustling in the woods. I told her to forget about it and that it's probably just a deer or a squirrel. We went back to playing our game when Jay said again that she swears that she saw something moving in the woods. We all get quiet, waiting to hear anything. There was nothing. All we heard was the trees swaying from the light breeze, but there was nothing. It was dead silent. After playing around in the pool for about an hour, we decided to just float around for a bit before heading inside. That's when we heard it. The light whistle coming from somewhere in the woods. Our heads shoot up, facing each other, making sure that we all heard that. There it was again though, dead silence, wondering if we would hear the same sound yet again. Then it happens, again that same whistle, but this time it sounded closer. We were terrified. We very slowly got down from the rafts we were laying on and quietly exited the pool while watching the woods for any movement. The whistle kept on happening, but we never saw anyone. We then ran into the house, making sure to lock the doors. We went back into my room where we got changed, and we decided to watch some movies to try and get our minds off of what just happened. After watching a movie for about 15 minutes, that's when the whistle started to start up again, but this time, it was coming from my window. We all just laid there, trying not to make a sound. With the whistling, came a tapping on the window. We were all still really shaken up from what happened earlier. Whatever it was seemed like it was following us wherever we went. 
That's when I told Dee to call 911. While Dee was on the phone with the 911 operator, the tapping then turned into a harsh bang. All we could do was just lay there in fear until the police came. It honestly felt like hours waiting for the police to arrive, but in reality, only took about five minutes. When we finally heard sirens, everything went quiet. There was no yelling from the police, no whistling, or any kind of tapping. It was like nothing ever happened, and I went dead silent. All the police found was a kitchen knife right beside the window. None of us ended up getting any sleep that night. We were too terrified. So, whoever thought it would be funny to scare a bunch of teenage girls trying to have a fun sleepover? Fuck you. For starters, let me open this by positioning a trigger warning for the story I'm about to relay. The following recounts heavy subject matters, such as child-on-child sexual assault, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse. Please tread lightly. My name is Zim. I'm a 19-year-old trans man, and I'm bipolar and autistic. The story is one that has deeply traumatized me but I've made the steps necessary in the past few months to start getting the help that I need. Keep in mind, this is a heavily condensed version of these events. Anyways, the story starts at the ripe age of 12 years old in the 7th grade, with a friend introducing me to a friend of theirs. Let's call this person G. She was a grade younger than me, despite us being the same age, and we began to grow super close. We did everything together, and it felt really nice to be at the center of someone's attention. It consisted of the type of things you would expect for the first few months. Goofy preteen shit. But there was always this underlying easiness that I felt around her. She was very touchy and controlling over me, in a way that I desperately tried to brush off as being her love language. She didn't seem to give much a shit about anyone else in our friend group and often acted cold and bitter towards them whenever they would try to talk to me, even the friend that introduced me to her. By the time 8th grade rolled around, she started asking very strange favors of me. We were both autistic, and very much into fandom culture and role-playing, and pretty much anything I was into at the time, she would fixate on as well. The strange request started at the lunch table, with a hand caressing and squeezing my thigh, followed by her asking to role-play. I was always very hesitant to do so, but she always found a way to coerce me into it. As you can expect, these roleplays weren't roleplays at all, but in fact a ploy to straight up molest me. She would force herself on me, touching my chest, kissing my neck, and sitting on my lap. All of this done in a middle school cafeteria. This happened frequently and always ended with her playing it off like everything was normal and okay, or blaming it on her autism, something that deeply upset me. I became used to it, though. I started to tolerate the abuse because I liked the attention she was giving me. I didn't want to lose her, but I didn't like when she was angry either. Cut to around a month or two after the abuse began. G was turning 13 years old, and she was having a slumber party slash pool party at a hotel. We all met at her house before taking a car there. I, of course, sat next to her, a hand on my thigh the whole time. 
Eventually we arrived and we had checked into the hotel room to settle down a bit before heading to the pool. After a while, everyone decided to start getting into their bathing suits and all was normal until G asked me to come with her into one of the rooms. She shut the door behind her and smirked, asking me if I wanted to come change with her in the bathroom. I reluctantly agreed, visibly uncomfortable. She was my best friend after all, and my child brain thought it would be funny, not grasping the severity of what was happening. We both shuffled into the bathroom, with our bathing suits in hand, my heart palpitating. I faced away from her, hit with a sudden wave of uneasiness. I pulled my suit up, paying careful mind to fix the creases, and spun around, only to be met with her fully exposed body. A smile still plastered on her face. What are you doing? I asked, completely bewildered. What? I thought it would be funny, she said, before laughing. I shuffled out of the bathroom, my heart pounding out of my chest. I sat on the bed outside, waiting for her to come out, all the while trying and failing to process what had just happened to me. Eventually she came out and asked if I was ready to head to the pool, acting as if nothing was wrong. We made our way down with the others, my mind swirling with thoughts. The rest of the sleepover was a blur. My brain, not yet mature enough to unpack what had just happened to me, began to act recklessly, running down hallways, banging on doors, and screams singing at the top of my lungs most of the night. I remember getting scolded for it and not caring in the slightest. Nothing was real that night. Eventually it was time to go home, and the sleepover from hell was over. But this was all just the beginning. That Monday, I came into lunch and sat down, smiling at G, who was already seated. She smirked and placed a hand on my hand. Can I tell you something? She slurred. Um, sure. What's up? I asked. She bit her lip, as if contemplating what she was about to say. And what she said next shook me to my core. I want to have sex with you. I recoiled, staring at her. What? I really like you. She said. Um, I like you too. I said, completely and utterly confused. She then proceeded to explain to me in explicit detail on what she wanted to do to me and how she would do it, essentially describing rape. I wasn't in a good place during this time. I was confused and scared, never really knowing what she was going to do or say next. I began to grow confused over my own feelings. Maybe I liked her too. After all, I did like the attention she was giving me, but the touching and whispers never felt good. The verbal and sexual abuse persisted, with her getting bolder each time it happened. She would say and do things to keep me in line, like saying that her mother didn't like me, and that we couldn't hang outside of school because of what I did at her party. All of this was done to make me feel bad. She would break me down and make it seem like I was the bad guy in the relationship and that it was my fault that she was touching me. She would constantly call me and grow furious if I dared to hang up. She would say things about my body, things no 13-year-old should ever be hearing from another 13-year-old. 
I desperately wanted out. In June of that year, my friend group started planning a trip to the drive-in theater for one of our friends who was moving in a month. It seemed like a fun idea, and I was super excited. Ice Age Collision Course and that shitty Ghostbusters remake were playing, and it was a fun night for the most part. G was lying next to me in the dark. I made it clear that I needed space, and she seemed to listen at first. I kept my eyes fixed on the movie as I felt her arms and legs coil around me, her breath tickling my neck. I can never forget that part. The way it sent shivers down my spine. How completely and utterly terrified I felt in that moment. She pushed herself onto me, as if trying to crawl on top of me, and I pushed her away. I couldn't exactly tell what her face looked like in the dark, but I could tell she was mad. What's your problem? She growled. I said nothing and walked away to join my friends in the trunk. I remember quietly crying in the car ride home. After that night, I started planning my escape. Like I stated earlier, we were a grade apart and I had just graduated 8th grade. I actually met someone in the same year as me about a month earlier, who I shared a mutual fixation with. We'll call this person in. Me and Anne grew close pretty quickly due to our shared interests, and she was nothing but kind to me. It really helped me realize just how bad of a situation I was in. Soon enough, ninth grade rolled around, and I decided I was going to ghost G after she invited me to her 14th birthday party. She picked up on this very quickly and angrily questioned me on it. I ended up sending her a long winding response about how awful of a human being she was and how I never wanted to speak to her again. She responded by calling me multiple times, threatening to come to my house and hurt me, and leaving infuriated voicemails, where she called me things such as whore and slut. I blocked her number, and I deleted all of her messages in a fit of rage, something I deeply regret doing now. I was a child that didn't understand the concept of receipts. Despite all of my hatred towards her, I remember feeling guilty after it all, Abusers have a tendency to make you feel that way, and I was suffering from pretty severe PTSD on top of it at this point. High school felt like a blur for me. G was still in my middle school friend group for a short while after, so I did still have to interact with her. Those times were not pleasant, and she would always try to cause a scene. Eventually, though, everyone distanced themselves from her, and I developed a bit of a new friend group within along with some of my middle school friends. Honestly though, I don't feel I ever got a happy ending, and that's the harsh reality of it all. I have to live with what she did to me for the rest of my life, things that I blocked out for years because it was just too painful to process. I feel as if I'm finally healing now though, and it feels good to share this experience. Children need to be more educated on the topic of sexual abuse. I sadly didn't have that luxury. For a while, I'd wonder who hurt her when she was younger to make her act that way towards me, but quite frankly, I don't care anymore. She deeply hurt me, and she doesn't deserve any sympathy from me. For some context, the situation occurred when I was around 11 years old. I'm 16 years old now, 
so this was at least five years ago now. I live in England, so the school system is a little different to that of America. The school years begin in primary school, from year one to year six, graduating at 10, before beginning secondary at age 11. Now, this was my first year of secondary, being in year seven. I had a small group of friends, consisting of four other girls and one boy. Now, one of the girls' birthdays were approaching just a few months into the school year. Let's call her Jasmine. Jasmine had lived in a rather large house, with a smaller house across the garden that was rather spacious, with one room and a bathroom directly connected to it. She invited me and the other three girls to a sleepover at this place. Of course, we had all agreed with enthusiasm, considering that it was our first official sleepover of our preteen years. Arriving around 8 p.m. to her place, we all eagerly set up our blankets, stuffed animals, and such upon the sofa beds in the smaller garden house. As Jasmine then prepared snacks and drinks for our sleepover, along with the movie options on discs for the TV that was hooked up to the wall, it was a very fun night watching movies and playing silly sleepover games until it eventually reached midnight or somewhere about then. And that's when Jasmine had a great idea. You see, I've always been really into horror-based things, ghost stories, legends, etc. So when she suggested we play the age-old game Bloody Mary, I jumped at the idea. The other three girls thought it would be a fun idea too, and so we switched on the television and set up the bathroom in accordance with the ritual instructions from Google. Jasmine had gone first before coming back with nothing simply giggling and shoving myself in after. Now, despite my enjoyment of horror like this, I also have a pretty severe anxiety disorder. So when the door closed and I remained alone in the dark, dimly lit bathroom, facing only the mirror, I was petrified something may happen. But I knew that the others had their ears pressed to the door to ensure that I stuck to the game's rules and I didn't want to disappoint. So of course... I followed the rules and began chanting. Almost as expected, nothing happened, and I left the bathroom with a mix of disappointment and relief. As the other girls continued the game, I sat myself down in my sofa bed, taking my phone from my pajamas. I had been a pretty avid user of a popular app at the time, used for communities and fandoms, but if you ever had experiences with this app at my age, You'd know all too well how dangerous and toxic the environment created by the app was. I was messaging one of my friends in one of the communities, out of boredom, as the game wasn't all that interesting. Well, my friend seemed to go offline abruptly, so considering our similar time zones, I had assumed she was asleep, and I switched off my phone and got comfortable in my place. The girls had finished the game, a good deal disappointed as nothing had happened at all. Turning on the television, another few hours passed with all of us wide awake, giggling, and having forgotten entirely about the game. That was when I received a notification on the app. Now, the app didn't exactly have any security measures that prevented random people that you hadn't friended from DMing you. So, when I was messaged by this strange account with an odd-looking profile picture, I sort of passed it off as a bot, which were really notorious on it at the time. I just tapped the chat, expecting to see some weird dating app advertisement, 
but what I did see was something much, much darker. I can't entirely recall what it wrote, but it was something in strange distorted text. The letters almost falling out of the text bubble. It was clearly just some glitchy font, possibly to evade spam bans. But the message, it made my blood run cold. It was a chanting message, something almost akin to a cultist message, praising an oddly named being and claiming they were close by to me, behind the door. They repeated this, the message long, as it was praising the strange name and claiming they were coming over, over and over again. I had sort of anxiously laughed it off, and I showed it to my friend. Let's call her Amy. Amy didn't seem to have the same reaction, being outwardly shocked, showing our other friends. We all no longer found it very funny. We were trying to calm each other down, rationalizing it. Perhaps it was just some edgy fuck trying to creep us out. But then the door creaked and knocked. The door to the smaller house. Now, there weren't exactly any walls on the front of the small house. Instead, however, there were windows, including the door. But we could see nothing but darkness, especially in contrast with the illumination of the television. Another message then came through. We're here. And then it was followed by even more praising to the being. Surely this couldn't have been happening. This couldn't be real. One of them was messing with us, surely. Amy began to sob, and I did too. We decided to risk it all, leaping out of the garden house and running blindly to the back door of the larger one, crying and trembling and spurning to the living room. We hid out there for a while, leaving the light on as we huddled for about a half an hour. I blocked the creep, closed the app, and my phone. Nothing else seemed to happen after this. To this day, I'm not entirely sure if it was just some sicko trying to mess with us, or if we really were actually in danger. For some odd reason, we never told anyone, though. Being the children we were, I guess. Please be careful on social media. Don't ever give away any information that could be personal or put you in danger. And don't trust anyone online that you've never actually met. This happened in May of 2020 when I was 14 years old. My best friend at the time, who we'll call Ella, was spending the night with me. The night was going smoothly until Ella suggested to me that we go to the nearest shell station to go get some snacks and slushies. I was hesitant at first because it was around 11 p.m. at that point and my area is a hotspot for human trafficking. I pushed my paranoia to the side and agreed to go anyway. The shell was about a half mile away, so it didn't take us long to get there. We went around the store looking for snacks that we could get, when I saw an older lady standing in the middle of the chip aisle. She wasn't looking at the variety of chips that they had, but she was just staring at me. I walked into the aisle because I wanted a bag of sour cream and onion chips. She was in the way of the chips, so I asked her, Excuse me ma'am, but can you scoot over? She said yes, and then moved so I could get the chips. I met up with Ella so that we could get in line to pay for our stuff. While the guy was scanning our stuff, I turned around and I saw that same woman from earlier. She didn't have anything in her hands, so I thought maybe she was getting cigarettes. 
Once we paid, we proceeded back to my house. On the way back, we saw this Toyota Camry trailing behind us. When they didn't turn at an intersection, we started to get suspicious. We stopped, and the car next to us also stopped. Ella knocked on the passenger window because she was the closest to the road. The window rolled down, and guess who was in the seat? Yep, the woman from the gas station. Why is she in this car that's been following us? I thought in my head. Once the window rolled all the way down, she then did something completely unexpected. She grabbed Ella's arm and tried to pull her in the car. I immediately grabbed her other arm and got her loose. We ran like hell all the way back to my house as the car sped after us. I'm not a very athletic person, but I was running faster than I ever had before in my life. After about a minute of running, we made it back to my house and ran inside. This was really stupid looking back now. We should have went to one of my neighbor's houses and asked for help. Anyway, we get into the house and lock the door immediately. Surprisingly, she or whoever she was with didn't start banging on the door. We were still so scared then we went into my closet and just stayed in there for the rest of the night. We just stayed awake because we were so scared. Nothing else ended up happening, which I'm also really grateful for. I ended up dropping Ella in October 2021, and I haven't talked to her since, but I know that she was really freaked out as well. I don't go to that gas station anymore unless I'm with my mom and she has to get gas there. I really hate to think what they would have done to us if they had actually managed to kidnap us. It literally makes me sick.